Some breaking news. So Vivian Kelly has just booked flights to the Sunshine Coast. We're going to have an official Radio Today event uh, with some local radio people. Are you looking forward to it? Look, I am, Jake, but I'm a bit nervous. So often podcasters actually finally get in the same room and then all they can talk about on their podcast episode is how fascinating (laughs) it is that they're in the same room, particularly throughout COVID and various Melbourne lockdowns. Now that people are getting back together, they keep telling their audience, we're in the same room and I'm worried our podcast will devolve into that. Could be the dullest episode yet. Maybe I'll do it in a separate room just to keep it consistent. We could. All right, up today is radio spending too much money on talent fees. Direct from the Take Two Media Newsroom, this is Radio Today Tonight. The week in Australian radio, unfiltered, unedited and uncut. Radio Today Tonight with Jake and Viv starts now. Depending on where you sit in the the radio industry, you're going to have a different opinion about this in terms of how much money radio talent get paid. Uh, it is quite a lot of money. I mean, that's where the bulk of the budgets do seem to go, Viv. Yeah, and that's understandable because that's how they've traditionally marketed radio stations with really big name, big talent programs. You know, it's people's faces that you see splashed across billboards and buses. It's difficult to communicate a a music strategy on a billboard and fully go into the types of content and the types of demos that you're targeting when a bus is passing you by on the morning commute. Whereas if you have Husey, Ed and Erin on a billboard, at least you can understand who those people are and you might already have a bit of a familiarity of what their shtick is. So it totally, totally makes sense. But as budgets are cut and as people behind the scenes lose their jobs, you can see how the sort of drumbeat might start getting a bit louder about where radio stations' money is going and whether or not that balance is right in this current environment. I sent a text message out to quite a few people this afternoon saying, is radio spending too much money on talent? I got some very interesting responses. I'll share a couple of them with you. Uh, The first is that radio is not spending enough. That, of course, came from a programmer. Uh, The quality of talent in Australia right now is not nearly as strong as it was five to ten years ago and that's why radio should be spending more on talent Uh, talent is the only point of difference up against spotify is that a fair point given that you know spotify and even acast are now in the talent war game look everyone's going to increasingly get in the talent war game particularly as they mix music formats with talking formats with entertainment with news with information so There is that element, but that doesn't necessarily mean they need to enter a a bidding war because I'm not sure that the fact that we've lost so so much promising talent is necessarily to do with people who are really, really high paid. You know, so many people who've left regional radio, for example, they weren't hugely highly paid. Yes, SCA saved a lot of money by axing a lot of breakfast shows, but let's be realistic. Those people weren't on seven-figure paychecks. You know, a lot of people who go out and do the hard yards in the regions are quite lowly paid. So I don't know that there's a direct cause and effect between the fact that Australian radio might be perceived to not be in its best heyday in terms of talent and those pay packets because it's actually very few people who get to be in that top echelon and and get the money and I guess the question becomes whether the right people are getting that top pay bracket. 
Given, you know, the, the radio audience is skewing a little older, I think the, the bullseye for most stations now is around 40, give or take. Uh, music has become more important as a result of that. And, you know, we're an interesting place in terms of the music cycle. You've got your foreground stations, like, say, Kiss with Kyle and Jackie O, uh, and I'm talking Sydney here, and then you've got, say, Smooth FM with Bogart Torelli, which is more of a background station. Uh, we know which one earns more money, but which one is more profitable? Look, that would be a uh, very good question there for Nova or, um, you know, the the various revenue and and finance teams. I do know that those music stations can really resonate with brands because they just don't have as much brand risk in terms of their investment and being aligned with a problematic program. It's very unlikely that you're going to have a smooth scandal or something that Kyle might Generate, And I know that Kyle Sanderlands for KISS FM, you know, does like to go on air and say that management doesn't pay him any attention and they don't even know what he does on a day-to-day basis and that he earns them hundreds of millions of dollars and woe is Kyle, isn't it unfair? Look, the Kyle and Jackie O show do bring in a lot of money for KISS and its parent company, ARN. But I suspect Smooth brings in quite a lot of money as well without the brand risk and without the gigantic talent fees. Having said that, there's no way that ARN would be pulling in the money they do if Kyle and Jackie O packed up and left tomorrow, as we've seen with the years of struggle that Southern Cross Stereo have had. And its CEO, Grant Blackley, spoke quite openly for years afterwards at investor meetings and at AGMs about just how much that breakfast debacle had cost the company. Mm. Uh, I had a bit of a Google in terms of how much radio talent are getting paid and, and made a few inquiries as well. And it you know, varies greatly. Uh, bonuses come into play. Uh, and some of those bonuses are very simple in terms of if you're number one, you know, you'll get this amount. Uh, or it could be perhaps a little bit more complex around, uh, you know, it's cum within a certain demo, etc. Obviously, it depends how the station sells uh, its airtime. Um, Kyle and Jackie O and a reported $5 million a year each. I, I, I would hope that that includes bonuses. Um, big names like Marty Sheargold, Amanda Keller, Dave Hughes, Ray Hadley, Neil Mitchell, Fifi Box, Sam Pang, Mick Malloy, they're all, you know, double digits in the millions. Um, and then on the lower end, and still averaging around three to 400 a year, are some big shows like uh, Ash Kippen-Lutze from Nova and Will and Woody from Kiss. I mean, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but it's not as much as some television personalities are paid. And I think, you know, these programmers and radio stations, well, not all of them, they're not all stupid. You know, they can't, they wouldn't be doing this without some research and some knowledge. And I think today FM Breakfast and the various debacles it's been through and how heavily that cost Southern Cross or Stereo shows that getting the right mix of talent and having them on the right money and having them resonate with the target demographic does matter. I think what Nova Entertainment did with Smooth was a really, really long-term play. And I think in this media environment, in this advertising environment, not many stations at the moment would be willing to take that risk. You know, Today FM dabbled with it when it put in Jamie Angel for a music breakfast format for a little while. But that clearly, even though the talent fees would have been much lower didn't translate to the station's ultimate aim of being as profitable as it would be with talent. So they had to take that risk for the high-paid talent again with the likes of Dave Hughes. If the Jamie Angel music experiment had worked and the low talent fees had translated to the type of profitability they wanted, 
Jamie Angel and Music for Breakfast would still be on the air. You know, they had to make that change because that's obviously what works for radio and and what people and consumers recognise. The other response I got back from a couple of uh, managers and programmers yesterday was around this idea that show lineups will actually begin to shrink over the next decade. Gone are the days of you know a woman with an anchor and a comedian, uh, and it will be back to a, a one man or a one woman show. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not particularly thrilled with how you phrase that in terms of a woman and a comedian, as if the woman's identifier is her gender and the man's is his ability to be funny. But I will concede that that does uh, sometimes happen mm. in in radio. But I'm, I'm not I'm not thrilled about it. I think so often you do have that two men and a woman lineup, and and the mm. billboards do all start to look the same, and and the dynamic between them. And you would know how I feel about the woman being employed simply to pull the men into line and to be the the voice of reason and the mother of the group. It's almost happening already with the likes of the Mighty Sheer Gold show, Triple M in Melbourne. You know, he's named, he's front and centre, but then he's sort of got a clubhouse vibe around him with the producers and the anchor and the team. Mm. But it's not called, you know, the Mighty Sheer Gold and team show or the morning crew with Mighty Sheer Gold. It is the Mighty Sheer Gold show. It's his show. He's front and centre. He's got all the risk, all the liability, all the reward. But then he does have other people around him so that there is that feeling that there's more people in the room and he has people to bounce off so absolutely I wouldn't be surprised if we started shedding people there was even speculation when Marty Sheagold left Nova Drive whether or not they'd sort of bother replacing him or if they'd mm. just keep it at two people to keep the talent fees in line so uh, if, if budgets continue to struggle as they have in COVID I think people are talking about COVID like it's over it's not particularly mm. with our appallingly slow vaccine rollout program if people's contracts come up for renewal or if somebody leaves, we might find ourselves in situations where they don't renew all three and they just pick their favourite two. There has been some more recent examples. Kennedy Malloy, obviously, is now just back to Mick uh, on Triple M Drive. Yeah, and again, that was an, an example where contract negotiations were happening. Uh, things didn't necessarily work out. Jane had other priorities. Perhaps they couldn't reach an agreement that was favourable to both parties. And then instead of trying to catapult in a another woman, for example, who wouldn't have the same dynamic with Mick Malloy because Mick and Jane go way back and, you know, have that chemistry, have that history, have that rapport, instead of risking more and more money on someone who might not even work, they they took what they have admitted is a risk in just having Mick there and they're seeing how that plays out. They're saying they're going to give that program time. Mike Fitzpatrick from Triple M says, you know, he knows it's different not having Jane there and just having Mick. It's a very different dynamic. It's a very different vibe. But if they can make it work and it's cheaper, then I think giving it time is is going to be worth the risk for them, but it does give them even bigger key person risk. You know, if you only have one person there, if you only have Marty Sheargold in Triple M Breakfast in Melbourne in, instead of Eddie Maguire, Luke Darcy and Will Anderson, if Marty Sheargold leaves or if, you know, Mick Malloy leaves, then you've got a whole programming gap instead of just a talent gap. What about today in Breakfast? So Morning Crew, tried and tested format, you know, three people coming together, uh, has radio failed to innovate or just by doing what's always worked previously, why reinvent the wheel? Well, it depends how you think you could reinvent the wheel. You know, there are only so many different combinations of 
people that you can put on the radio? You know, should we have gone down a path that's more diverse? Absolutely. You know, we, we do tend to stick to the two white dudes and one white woman format, particularly in the metro markets. But at the same time, there is only so much innovation you can do on a on a breakfast show for a station like Today FM. They did try and reinvent the wheel a little bit, as I said, with a Jamie Angel-fronted music program. Mm. That didn't work. I think where it's failing to innovate or where it's perhaps opening itself up is the lack of talent pipeline, which also feeds back into that diversity and the cutting of the regional breakfast shows that we've talked about before. If, yeah. if different types of people can't go out and train in the regions, where do you get people from when you want them to be big names, big stars on big stations? Radio in metro markets gets a lot of criticism for trying out influencers or people who are television personalities or influencers and whatnot who don't have the supposed credentials to be on radio. But where are they going to suddenly pluck these people from if they don't have those regions feeding that pipeline and and all those people who are trained? Well, then you're going to have to turn to people who are already recognised and already known, not necessarily talented at radio. You, you have to put someone in who people are going to see on that billboard and go, oh, yeah, I know her from The Bachelor. It might backfire because they might not be great radio talent, but they are limiting their pool in not being diverse and in not having that training ground so that stifles their innovation and it stifles the creativity they can have in terms of their lineups southern cross on stereo had its talent development program uh, hubble i get the feeling that, that sort of fizzled out a little bit duncan campbell from uh, australian radio network has spoken about uh, the idea that podcasters are the next radio stars is that realistic well i think it's a smart thing for Duncan to keep an eye on. If they're going to keep uh, spruiking their podcast credentials and talking about how they're the number one podcast publisher in the world, or not in the world, goodness, sorry, (laughs) in the country, uh, I think they need to be talking about how great their talent is. I know we joke about how anyone can have a podcast and everyone has a podcast for every niche and every boring hobby and every boring thought, but if they're going to be a good podcast publisher and a good podcasting producer you can't just have anyone behind the mic you know they want to be telling brands and telling sponsors that they have fantastic people behind the microphone both on air on radio and on their podcast so I think in a way even though they're different mediums and they lend themselves to a different type of audio production if you've got shitty people on your podcast well then you've got a shitty podcast operation so I can see why he's looking at saying we've got great people on our podcast and one day our best of the best could feed in to our radio brands as well because quite frankly where else is he going to get them you know we don't have the regional pool as we've talked about so it is a good training ground and a good way for the radio networks to work out who might have the skills that they could then invest in and put on air. I was going to make a joke about shitty podcasts, but I thought you might call this podcast a shitty podcast, so I'm not going to make it. Oh, look, we don't need to make that joke. Someone in the comment thread will we'll leave it to them. So what's this comment that's sitting in there unread at the moment? Ah, oh, just before we jumped on air, uh, there was one uh, that said that I do all the heavy lifting on this podcast and you just coast along. So, mm. uh, look, one of, my, one of my many fans coming to sledge you in the comments... Who do you reckon that was? I don't know, Jake. Click on that IP address. (laughs) They can't be too much of a fan of mine because they've spelled my name incorrectly, but uh, I feel like they're just trying to get a reaction. Ah, it's old mate Peter Johnson again. (laughs) 
also known as Claudine and Anders. And today, Sarah. Look, I've got many fans. Please don't try to tell me that they're all just one person masquerading under different names to inflame the situation. I like to think they're all individual people here to support me at all times. That'll do. Thanks for listening. Radio Today has changed the names of some executives mentioned in this podcast to protect their identity or, more likely, spare us from any lengthy legal letters. The views and opinions expressed are not those of sponsors, guests or really anyone else other than the hosts. If you'd like to make a complaint, email complaints at radioinfo.com.au. If you actually enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate and review on your favourite podcast app. 